Hello, Thank this you. is Hello, Mike. Hello. This is, this is Learn to Float, and it's a podcast that's especially good for later at night or when people need a little bit of a moment and let their mind be free of all the heaviness of the world and uh, explore some interesting topics. And I've mostly been your host, and uh, today we have the honor of Mike Warwick, a good friend of mine from and for many, many years. And um, tonight we're going to introduce you to a concept, something that's been uh, bubbling for quite a long time, like femininity and masculinity. And especially with the Me Too movement, there's been a lot of males that have felt like they don't really know what they're supposed to do as a male. And uh, we can have like a very surface conversation about it and you know, boys and girls and the whole divide. However, I know there's something deeper. And this is something that uh, Mike and I wanted to explore with you tonight. And so at first we're gonna start with a bit more of a discussion. And then eventually we're gonna bring you into a guided meditation and appreciating something beautiful that all of us have, whether you're a boy, a girl, a man, a woman, there's something that we all share together in harmony and in unity. And so we will guide you at the end of this with a meditation that helps us to just be a little more conscious of something that's already there. So I would like to pass over to Mike. Um, I'm in Canada on Vancouver Island and Mike is in the United Kingdom in London. And um, I wanted to pass you over to him. So hello, Mike. Hi, Jeremy. I'll just get myself comfortable. Since it's learning to float, I thought I might as well just uh, float on my bed for a bit. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Yeah. I'm currently floating on a bed of grass and moss oh. in the new spring sun. You know, it's it's been a little bit it's a little bit colder in Canada, so when the spring finally comes and the grass starts growing and the moss is blossoming and uh, when you lay on it, it's like much like having a, a carpet from nature. And that's one reason why I came back over here is just. Uh, I mean, we can do it. You can do it in Hampstead Heath. <laughs> you know, we can do it anywhere. It's available to us if we take the time and the space just to have a moment where we uh, lay down on something soft and beautiful and uh, relaxing for our bodies. So, now, are you comfortable now? Have you made it into your your perfect position? Yeah, it's interesting as well because as you were describing laying down on some moss and some grass in a completely different part of the planet. I mean, it's like, what, eight hours? Is it ten hours difference between where you are and where I am right now? Well, it depends on the time change for now, but it's about eight. But so the sun rises eight, eight hours earlier in Greenwich Mean Time yeah. than it does on Pacific Standard Time. So, you know, in terms of distance, like physical distance, that's, that's pretty significant. Pretty much on the other side of the planet. <laughs> and then, you know, as you're describing it over this marvelous technology that we have called the Tinternet, I could, you know, I could see the grass, I could see the moss, I could almost feel the sunshine. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, certainly a conversation I was having today is about, you know, this whole kind of thing about division. I mean, we, there's been a lot of 
you know, there's been a lot of... This isn't to say that, that, that as human beings, we're, we're not, you know, I'm not saying that we're not experiencing division and that, um, you know, the Me Too movement, for instance, is, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a very positive thing that a strong voice is now coming out where that voice has been stifled in the past by a patriarchy. So I'm not saying that patriarchy doesn't exist. I'm not saying that people aren't being um, subdued and oppressed because that's patently true. I think I think where I'd probably start a conversation here with is, is saying that you know the, the forces that seek to divide people they clearly don't have people's best interests at heart because actually we we're happiest as, as human beings when we feel that we're supported we feel that we're understood we feel that somebody's there with us you know if we live in a community where we're connected and we know each other Yes, there are differences between us, but everywhere a division comes, where one person is 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 set against another, based on whatever random thing that you want to pick on, you know, you could pick you could pick on the colour of your eyes, the size of your nose, the amount of money in your bank account, the level of education, your gender, you know, where you happen to be on the planet, or where you happen to have been born on the planet, the colour of your skin. Look, you can just keep, you can pick endless reasons. You know, I live on one side of the street, you live on the other side of the street. But all of that, you know, to me, if you, if you go to a, a more of an elevated position with it, if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, none of it stacks up. None of it actually makes a logical sense. That was a bit of a ramble, wasn't it? But that's... No, it, it, you know, it reminds me of a lot, of a lot of things, a lot of thoughts were coming up. And, you know, there's like a, a preverb for the older style of business, which is dying out, just like oil and gas eventually is going to die out. And uh, things that hurt the earth are going to die out because we know if we don't, we're going to pay for it. <laughs> so we'll have to look at be custodians of nature uh, in a way that's beneficial for both. You know, and so there's an old paradigm. Uh, was it divide and conquer? Divide and conquer, yeah. Yeah, and so you know, I understand that there's there is that quality and that nature, and that's when you know think about our, our animal nature and you know to win. And to win doesn't actually really mean necessarily to win for the long term. So when a lot of people then they were thinking more. What can I do for my family? What can I do for other parts of the world? Sometimes, like, you know, in philanthropy. Um, and But it's like, what can I do right now? And although that's really important, there's also other benefits for thinking longer term. For example, there's a family by the name, the last name of the Rothschilds. And one interesting thing with them is, you know, because I don't know, I know some Rothschilds, but I, I don't know you know, personally, the whole family history. But one thing I did discover is that the original that uh, became wealthy was not really planning for his life. He was planning for his grandkids' lives and his great-grandkids. So the decisions he made, like he bought property in like destitute, totally dilapidated places and gave people like inexpensive rent. 
And so, you know, but the whole idea was that his grandkids, especially his great grandkids, will be able to have, will have that real estate. And so it was the way of thinking of not just the now and right here and what can I, you know, what can I get now? But it was about, oh, how can I, what can I do for to think about like my next generations, my next, my, you know, my, my lineage and providing a legacy because especially then legacy was really important. And so a lot of people that are in the now and gas guzzling and, you know, oh, well, we're just going to like grind this mountain down to get coal out. Okay. Well, oh, there's enough land to do that. But when we start doing that exponentially, as you know, like exponential numbers, it doesn't take long for them to add up pretty freaking fast. And so, you know, the, the divide and conquer is part of a social engineering that, um, you know, like, for example, Ken and Barbie were all of a sudden this kind of marketing to sell dolls, but they created a division, you know, pink is girl and blue is boy. And more or less the marketing teams that were working with, with the company that made Barbie imprinted that into people's minds. Like what is the blue is for boys. But actually before that, for example, in the, the first pioneers of North America, uh, often girls would be wearing blue. You know, they'd have a blue bonnet and a blue dress. And so it was a little bit, it wasn't exactly, but blue was a bit more towards a girl's color. So, you know, if we can kind of just be conscious of that and then ask ourselves, how much have you been programmed by marketing and society? And, um, you know, what do you agree with or not? You know, it's up for your own debate, but just to be conscious of that point. And so, you know, for example, now in Canada, like gender neutralism and there are bathrooms being made, for example, in, in elementary schools where there's a boy's bathroom, a girl's bathroom and uh, whatever. And so, you know, people are trying to make those steps. But I think culturally we can go a little deeper, um, but it's more about actually just look, understanding it ourselves. And in, in the end, ultimately, we just understand ourselves and by that, others. So I like the way you've gone from the Rothschilds legacy to Ken and Barb. And that was quite, was quite, a, quite a leap. And then what it's making me think of is, well, if, if the legacy, if, if, if you're thinking ahead, you know, so at that time, I, I, I'm not... What time were the Rothschilds sort of gathering wealth and power? Was that sort of... Uh, as far as I believe, the 1800s is when... It's like the 18th, so like sort of 17th century. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've probably got to a stage where the way that, you know, the way that we, we're becoming conscious of, of what's happening around the planet, that um, that lineage, you know, that kind of, when you were talking about a lineage, like planning ahead for... The, you know, the legacy of grandchildren, great-grandchildren is like, I think it's becoming more and more necessary to start thinking about humanity as your family. I know that might sound a bit corny and it's ob obviously not a new sentiment, but actually, you know, we do live on this planet and we don't have another planet to go and live on. Um, so again, you know, going back to this idea of division, uh, 
I mean, of course, family is important. Of course, we feel closer to those people that we've known ever since, you know, we can remember. Um, of course, we've got deeper connections, but there's something to be said for beginning to open that up a little bit and realizing that, you know, that there isn't a separation. There's not really a separation between human beings. Um, what happens in, in, in my little part of the world does affect and connect to what happens in, in, in parts that maybe I've not got any consciousness of. Um, I mean, certainly that's something that's happening for myself more and more. Um, and I think that's probably got a lot to do with the, the new kind of awareness of um, environmental issues. I think it's got a lot to do with the way that we're connected through the internet. You know, we can, you know, we can speak to each, we're speaking to each other from the other side of the, the planet, you know, and we're not actually really paying anything for it. You know, it's, it's, it's almost free, almost free. Um, well, you know, I was thinking about the UK, and there was quite a few years ago, there was a sandstorm. Well, the air looked quite dusty with a kind of gold dust, and the sandstorm was also affecting France and many other places. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and I remember you were, you, were, you were here then. Yes, right? I, I, I was living in, in London at the mm. time, and so this haze that was hanging over the air, it was coming from big storms, huge windstorms in Saudi Arabia. So to think that the dirt, the dust from over there was blowing over. So imagine if someone said, oh, well, in the desert in Saudi Arabia, we can just like dispose of nuclear waste. No problem. But then the winds come up and psh, they push the sand over. All of a sudden, you have all of Eastern, Middle and Western Europe covered in radioactive dust uh it's not so fun i mean who knows maybe we could you know grow an extra eye or something but <laughs> let's be practical in the way of, of understanding that the the divide and conquer model is is very old you know this nation versus that nation north versus south oh, and, and then it also goes to feminine and masculine so there's this kind of duality of things and you know, me being a doctor of Chinese medicine, we're made conscious of that fact through something called yin and yang. You know, that yin is more usually, you know, and there's a kind of a swirly image and one part of it is like dark, a dark swirl, and then one part of it's light. So light and dark, and it's the seeming, seemingly opposites or opposing forces. But actually they're not opposing and they're not dividing and they're not conquering because in the realization of that, within that black swirl is a bit of white right in the center. And in the bit of the white swirl, there's a bit of black in the center. And so that kind of polarization, we can see it as like polarized, like light and dark, but actually they exist together. And so in the Taoist view is, is harmonization of both within ourselves and within our world and within the universe to know that, that flows just like there's high tide and low tide when your heart beats it contracts and contraction is considered yang relaxing and opening and allowing space is yin so imagine if your heart only contracted and never relaxed what would happen 
well, we'd be dead <laughs> because our heart must relax in order for fresh blood to enter the chambers in order for us to pump it out. So just that simple rhythm of the universe is already within our hearts. And so when we divide ourselves with feminine and masculine and boy and girl or pink and blue or any of that, what we're not actually looking at is the, the real facts that we already know. It's, it's not science. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it's just the science of knowing like, oh, hey, if you can put your hand on your heart and not feel your heartbeat, we'll try. And if your heart's not beating, you might be a different species. <laughs> but pretty much 99.999% of the people on Earth are going to have a heart that beats. And which, is that a boy heart or a girl heart? Well, cardiologists would say there's a slight difference in blood pressure and beats per minute and a few other things. But other than that, that's hormonally changed. But other than that, they're, they're exactly the same. And so, you know, with the the rate of like, okay, so the Me Too movement, which is amazing, I agree with you. The voice for, I'm sure many people agree, you know, the voice for women to be able to speak up. And if somebody is being mean to them or abusive or, you know, uh, uh, demeaning in any way because of their, you know, their femininity or their feminine nature, then I think it's great to be able to speak up. And as we were speaking earlier, there was a little bit of a divide because um, the men tend to not have, uh, you know, especially the good ones, they don't really know what they're really supposed to do now. And it leaves this kind of confusion, like, ah, like, what does it mean to be a man then? Or how can I, because I'm, I'm born with, you know, the genitalia of being a man. And what does that mean to be able to embrace what I was born with, whether I'm more feminine and emotional and on maybe whether I'm more masculine and like more into sport and aggressive. And so we all have the balance and some people it's more or less. And so if we have that or in our own natural way, it's different than what is applied in uh, society or by, you know, early life learning, especially. So, you know, if someone has a father that's sensitive and poetic and has all these kind of seemingly feminine traits you know smells good washes regularly or another child that has a has a father figure that maybe works like for example in Canada there's someone you know a guy that let's say it's a the, the highliner fisherman you know he's got a beard and he gets up early in the morning he's got a bit of arthritis and very like tough you know the elements have beaten him over the years um yet even within that there's still a, a, a somewhat poetic side and so one thing that in this masculine feminine divide that we're at the beginning of a pendulum swing that's heading towards female so for example if you think of yin and yang femininity and masculinity that over time the pendulum has swung one way and the other earlier on there were much larger swings but eventually the swings will get smaller so for example in old turkey i have a friend who has a PhD in archaeology at the University of Victoria, and she was able to go as an archaeologist to some very old places in Turkey. Amazing villages they uncovered, carved in the stone, the sandstone, and oh, it's amazing. And so, but they found that, oh, those, these societies were actually feminine-based, moon-based. 
And so around the earth, there's been places that have popped up around the similar era where society in a huge part was feminine ruled. And then around the time of King Solomon and Queen Sheba is when the pendulum was swinging the other way. So at that time, it was fairly neutral, masculine and feminine. You know, the King Solomon had a very masculine style reign, but it, he was also successful and and also helped a lot of people, helped societies get together. And the Queen of Sheba, Sheba had a lunar society and a lunar kingdom. And also they had a lot of wealth and, and a different way of doing things. So that was when the tides tended to turn. And that's when the, the pendulum was swinging towards patriarchic life on Earth. And so that went to kind of its far end. And then it's on the swing back. So now actually for quite a while, because it's a slow swing, right? Evolution's very slow, a lot slower than I'd like it to be, <laughs> than maybe a lot of us would like it to be. <laughs> but it's, so the swing has gone with, okay, prime ministers being female, starting to be elected, uh, women's you know, strength movements. Uh, there's something called the 13 grandmothers, where you know uh, senior citizens that uh, are spiritually minded decide to get together. Not even spiritually minded, but just want to have a positive impact and so they join together and so there's amazing all the three phases of the moon you know the the young the the mature and then the the crone and so all of those phases are getting power in different ways because the pendulum's swinging that way and in that process then men often or the masculine energy in a way redefines itself um, how that happens, of course, it depends on a lot of factors, but, you know, marketing can do it. Like, you might notice that there's a lot of advertising, advertisements for uh, oh, cars and all kinds of things. That, But the ad is like, you just want to feel free. You just want to feel yourself flying through the air. No concerns. In comfort and with sound at the touch of your fingertips. As you fly up to your new vista, you arrive to paradise. And some somebody pulls up in a car, they're at the top of this like Italian mountain top. The moon is up, the sun is up, and they get out of their car and it's called Vista. <laughs> so a lot of marketing companies know that there's this trend of, of us uh, all having a certain kind of awakening. And you sold me on that car. I'd like and that. they, yeah, well, they, <laughs> so that they know that's happening anyways and because often people that are involved in psychology are part of marketing so um you know or vice versa and so they know that there's this trend change of self-development and self-improvement and everybody's kind of questioning themselves and if they're suffering too much well why am i suffering so much what what is it like let's 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 do macgyver let's like fix it what is this thing that keeps me feeling comfortable is it me? Is it my situation? Anyway, so advertising companies, some of them know that. So they're actually putting that into ads. <laughs> but at, at least their message is positive. I mean, at the end, of course, it's them trying to sell a product, but that's what they do. So, but, you know, and, and well, you know, we, it does seem increasingly obvious that we're at a, a place in history where, um, well, actually, there was a, a quote um, that it, my, you know, my, my, obviously you know Chiara, my partner. She's a bit of a brain box, um, Italian, 
and she was quoting from Gramsci um, a quote about the kind of times that we live in now where he's, he's an Italian um, social commentator and philosopher um, and he's, he was saying that like the times that we're in now, it's, it's where the old system is on its way out and it's dying, but the new one can't yet be born. So all kinds of different um, anomalies rise to the surface. You know, and where we're seeing this increase, we're seeing these figures emerging who uh, say the most outrageous things and are, are dividing people and are really veering towards um, quite dangerous political forms on the right of the spectrum, like all well, extreme political forms. Again, which are trying to, you know, they arise in nationalism, arise in racism, um, arise in, um, you know, kind of people want, wanting to limit what's happening, assert uh, a boundary to, you know, like, you know, keep, make America great again or, or you know, Britain first or, yeah, and it's all of that, kind and, of stuff. and it's it's really it's it's what it's what they know, and you know I know that you know for those of us that are more aware of that sort of thing, maybe some people aren't, and so that's where like in Buddhism, compassion comes in. Just like know that this person's upbringing, their training, and what they've been exposed to has led them to that belief system. And it doesn't mean that you give them permission to do it, but just an understanding. Yeah. When is the, you know, because it's quite interesting because for for anybody who knows the British situation, uh, Michael Heseltine, who's a, a conservative MP, was talking on British TV and he was saying, well, actually, since, you know, what's happening in, in the UK? for instance, is since 2008 and the financial collapse, um, huge numbers of people have had their living standard has, has steadily decreased since then because, you know, wages have stagnated. You know, there are, you know, there's claims by the government that wages have increased. Well, that's certainly not really the, the you know, when, when you look at, when you look at the bigger picture in the West, that's clearly not the case. And, and so in a situation like that, that will be exploited again by people who are, are after power. You know, if you go back to those old forms of divide and conquer. Well, and that kind of, yeah. that kind of disc, that discontent is then, in, then used and, and people are fed answers that, oh, it's this person's fault or that person's fault or this group's fault or that group's fault. A, a really good example of that is World War II. And, and so Germany uh, being in a, depression recession and all of a sudden they have the take up of someone who promises success even if their ideas maybe at first seem sound then they become wild but they're already on that track so they follow through it and and for sure so so i think where where my where, where i'm at with all of this and it's i guess it's where i've been heading for a long time and i know this is where you're going as well is this it's really uh, now about. Um, oh, there's an echo on the line, so it's slightly distracting. But the um, it's it really is about going back to compassion, like you say, and and beginning to 
play with ideas of non-duality and begin to try and emphasize and see how they fit going well you know is i mean one of the things i was thinking today is like is there even another person who's not me out there or am i perceiving a reflection of a part of myself that i've projected outwards if, if you want to get sort of into psychological terms or if you want to get into um, metaphysical terms um is it true that actually you know life is one indivisible whole you could whole sorry indivisible whole and actually in order for us to all thrive on this planet and enjoy what could be a paradise if we begin to see each other not as a separate being but as a, a brother or a sister and I don't mean a brother or a sister for those people listening who don't get on with their brothers and sisters you know it, it's a, maybe an extension of myself because um where say where economically things are stagnating well if if we share and we begin to help each other out then obviously things get better but if we retract into fear and, and we try and grab little pieces for ourselves then things get worse wow. so i think it yeah it's a lot it's about unity um and recognizing what we've got in common rather than what divides us that's true and there's you know there's a a lot of people that just believe and they well they trust in someone else to try and help the economy and help that sort of thing and i had heard a quote about a tree i can't remember the quote exactly but basically the gist of it is that if you had let's say a plum tree just one you know fairly decent size when it produces plums there's way more plums with that one tree than your family can possibly eat and let's say that all of your neighbors all have just one tree a fruit or a nut or something else and that tree is going to produce more than that family can actually handle unless you have a family like 20 <laughs> maybe then you can just cover it for one tree and so then you know the ability to to trade and exchange so you know how you have plums your neighbor next door has sweet water uh, another neighbor down the road they if you're not vegetarian or vegan you know they have chicken eggs so you know you, you trade some of your plums for chicken eggs for hinges on the house the metalsmith he's not really good at growing anything but he loves like hamming and pounding pounding nails and the carpenter that loves making things out of wood and built a door so you trade plums for the door and the hinges and you have a new door. And so one tree can provide a huge amount of resource to a family. And so the way of like dependence on, on companies and corporations to produce food, um, you know, it often can create an us them sort of thing. Because trees, you don't really have to do much except for water. You don't have to till the soil year on year. Maybe you have to prune them if you feel like it, but usually people do, and it's actually kind of therapeutic and fun to trim the tree. Um, and then they, they just fruit. They, you don't even hurt the tree. They just drop these delicious sweet morsels into your hands when they're ready in the hope that you take their seed and put it somewhere to good use, you know, help a family grow. So... Um, so that's, you know, for, for philosophy of food. And so 
with with the divide of, uh, for example, uh, gender divides and everything that seems to be this kind of split line and creating panic and fear. So then we're not operating from a higher centers because when we're in fear, then we we make decisions based on like instinctual reactions, which are not always wise. And our ancestors learned it, you know, the, the caveman learned it with the woolly mammoth, you know, one, one person could not usually kill a woolly mammoth on their own if they're really hungry, even 20, team of 20, they're all trying to take down one woolly mammoth so they can eat it and use their, its fur. And usually a couple of people would die in that process. Eventually, we found out that actually if you scare them, you scare the crap out of those woolly mammoth, they are going to run. And you keep scaring them, and then eventually you lead them to where they run off a cliff. And then nobody died out of the, the human group or out of your tribe or clan. And you have like three or four mammoths just waiting for you. And so that principle of using fear to, to corral uh, mammals is also, you know, used with us as humans. And it's called social engineering. So if we can be aware of that, it reduces the power or the influence it has over us because we can operate at least a little bit on that higher brain. And so, you know, for, for the divides of feminine and masculine, well, it's an easy way to play one party against the other, even though, you know, half our planet is one sex or the other, more or less. And so I like what you said about unity and how there's this heart that beats inside us and it's not a boy heart or a girl heart yeah that's nice i like that it's metaphors and so Jer jeremy i'm just yeah. noticing we're, we're at we're about at half an hour i think we should do a little meditation just a short and i think and, i think uh, nice a nice guided meditation to help people drift off to sleep and yeah. maybe wake up with a you know a really nice positive positive like do i mean positive or do i mean don't we, we we just we can all help each other move out of fear towards more of a self acceptance and acceptance of each other and support and eventually like maybe even self love and love for others. You know, there's a bit of a continuum there. You know? Yeah, and I, I guess if we if we can drift off to sleep with those kind of thoughts, that'll be that'll be a nice way to to end the end, end today's conversation. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, everybody knows how important it is to nourish ourselves. And if we nourish ourselves with junk, we know the effects. Once in a while, a little junk treat, okay. But on average, you know, uh, nourishing ourselves, often we think about food. But it's also ideas and what we put into our mind or our subconscious. So what we expose ourselves to, if, for example, if we take, if we listen to the news first thing in the morning, you're guaranteed that there's an 80% negativity so far, the way the news is. So you're taking 80% negativity as a jump start to your day, 20% positive. So how do you think your day is going to go? In general, there's a good chance it's going to turn out to be 80% crap and 20% good. And so it's a simple pattern. So when we nourish ourselves, um, also think about maybe perhaps, you know, what you nourish yourself with by thoughts and exposure of books and videos and 
Um, even Netflix is really popular, and there are some really amazing shows, I'm sure. And you know, just to be aware of that. So, first of all, I'd like to open, and and Mike, I'd like you to to send us off. Um, I'd like us to get in touch with that thing that unites everybody as humans on Earth, or one of the many things. But this one, of course, is very important. It's our heart. And so, how to be in touch with your heart? Well, that could be like a huge subject. But tonight, we're going to focus on something very basic, non-rocket science, yet is still relatively unknown exactly what it does. The heart. So take your hand, or both hands, and put them on your chest, or your throat, you know where there's an artery, the carotid artery that goes up beside the neck, you can Google carotid artery and find it so you can feel your artery and feel the pulse of your heart. And there's also a radial pulse, which is the pulse on your wrist. One of those three should be great. And as you just lay there for a moment, give yourself some space and taking a big breath with your belly and your chest. when you let it out, try and soften parts of yourself you might find are tense, parts of yourself you feel that maybe are clenching unconsciously, stressing you. Breathe them out, let them go. Try it a few times. Now as you do this, feel your heartbeat. It's your very own heart the very own machine that pumps blood around your body, your very own electrically sensitive and aware organ. It responds to you instantly. If you're excited, if you're sad, if you're happy or mad, your heart will respond right away. So as you're in touch with your heart and your heart beat, Take another deep breath. Listen to how your breath changes the beat. And as your heart is a muscle, we can relax it. Just like you can relax your hands, relax your feet, relax your arms and legs, your hips and back your face, you can take a deep breath, and on the out breath, relax your heart, the heart that unites all of us, the heart that every human has, very in the middle, this is a good start. Now, Mike is going to guide us into the final parts of floating as we learn. In this relaxed space, connecting to the beating of your heart. 
Allow your consciousness to drift slowly down all the way to the very center of the earth. And imagine that your heart is connecting to the beating, pulsing heart of the earth. Imagining that the planet that we live upon is a living being. And that our hearts and the planet's hearts are one. And with each breath, imagining that the energy fields around your heart, around your body, moving in sync and healthy, supporting, loving, nourishing ways with the energy fields planet. Keep becoming more and more in sync with the healthy, loving, supporting, nurturing rhythms of life on planet Earth. And as you allow the frequencies of your own energy body the rhythms of your own heart to come into sync with the planet, you notice that you're easily, effortlessly and naturally feeling more and more grounded, increasingly safe, increasingly able to see all other living beings on the planet as a part one life, of one love, of one consciousness, of an infinite expanding consciousness that extends infinitely, knowing no end and no division. And you're able to appreciate more and more the forms, the colors and the shapes and the smells and the tastes and the sounds and the sensations that arise from this one infinite, loving, ever-expanding consciousness of which you are a part and which is a part of you. And allowing yourself to rest for a while perhaps drifting off to sleep. Return to a feeling of oneness, of unity, of belonging. Accessing those parts of you that recognize that you are whole. No matter where you find yourself right now, you're in the right place. ever more able, more willing to feel the connection of all living things in the beating of your own heart. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. 
Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.